I thinking? Oh, my aching head. <clears throat> oh, hey, Callie Mae. Hey, guys. Oh, that's quite a black eye you got there. What happened? What did you do this time, Callie Mae? Oh, hey, you guys. Hey. It's a long, long story. Well, I mean, we're not going anywhere, so go ahead and tell us. Well, okay, since y'all insist, you know how in the Bible there's the part about the fruits of the Spirit? Yep, sure do. Yeah, sure. That's in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. There are nine of them, the fruits of the Spirit. Yep. Uh -huh. Well, I think my fruit is rotten. What? Mm -hmm. At least so far, I'm not doing too good at growing fruit. If you catch my drift. Mm. Oh. Well, Callie Mae, what are you trying to say? Start from the beginning. <clears throat> yeah. In the beginning, God created the heaven oh, and the earth. No. Genesis no. 1-1. What? No, what? no. Start from the beginning of how you got the black eye. Oh, that. Yeah, well, that. there I was, okay, reading the Bible about the fruit of the Spirit uh -huh. and listed them all out. There was love, joy, peace, patience, and all the rest. So yeah. I figured I would try to show a different one to my friends each day. Well, mm -hmm. that sounds yep. like a great idea, Callie Mae. Yep, sure does. How could you get a black eye from that? Well... The first fruit of the Spirit was like love. So I went to school and I said to myself, Okay, Callie Mae, you need to show some love to the first person you see today. Yeah. So mm. I did. The first person I saw at school was Lori the Bruiser. Oh, oh no. Yep. The only girl allowed to play on the boys' football team? Oh. Yeah, because she's bigger than all the boys put together. Yeah, she's the one. Oh, no. Yeah, it took all my courage, but I said, here goes nothing. And I puckered up and kissed her on the cheek. What? Oh, Kelly Mae, yep. you kissed her? What for? Isn't that what love is? Kissing and hugging and being mushy? Gag, no. Well, not really. What? What happened after you kissed her? Well, isn't it obvious, Sherlock? She decked me. She punched me out. Dotted oh. my eye. Cleaned my clock. Yes. She hit you? Yeah. That's the last time I'll try to show love to somebody. <sighs> Callie, oh. Callie, Callie. What, what, what? Callie, 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 Callie. What, 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 Eddie? Oh, Callie, Callie, Callie. What? Oh. Sorry, it's just that, uh... I think you might have misunderstood what the Bible said was saying about love. Yeah. You know, love is a fruit of the Spirit. But sometimes people seem like love is always some man and woman kissing. But love, the way God means it, is really different. Yeah. Oh, yeah? How is it different? Well, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13 that love is patient, kind, not yeah. proud or rude. That it always forgives and never gives up. It says that love never brags or puts others down. It says that the greatest love is shown when somebody puts their life on the line for their friends. 
Whoa, I didn't hear anything about kissing or hugging Lori to Bruiser well, and of any not. of that stuff you mentioned. Nope. Love is a lot of things, and God had lots to say about it in his book, The Bible. But the most important verse about love is John 3:16. Oh, I you like that. You know that one, don't you, Callie Mae? Yeah, I sure do. But I want to know if any of the kids out there know it. Do any of y'all know John 3:16? Yeah. yeah, it goes, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will have everlasting life. God so loved. I get it, Eddie. Good it's job. not about being mushy. It's about doing things for others and expecting nothing in return. Yes, you got it now, Callie Mae. Cool. Well, I got to go, y'all. Well, oh, wait, no. wait, wait. Where are you, are you going, now? going now? I'm going to go apologize to Lori. And see, she needs me to help her with math homework. She's good at football, but she has a hard time with math. I oh, totally rock in math, guys. Oh. That's the spirit, Callie Mae. Yep, nope. That's the fruit of the spirit, Eddie. Yeah, All right, Callie Mae. Yeah. See y'all later. Bye, see y'all. everybody. Bye-bye. Well, we've already learned today something about the fruit of the Spirit, haven't we? And we're about to learn more as our children leave. Would you give them a hand as they go out today? Good looking group today. I, um, right before the, the puppets came forward today, I was sitting there thinking, I guess it was during the offering. I think I'm going to go to Atlantic Beach and start a satellite church. Because I began to think of how many in this congregation this morning have already been there this week or going this coming week. And so that way we could have church in both locations every Sunday and everybody could be at New Life Church on Sunday. Uh, it's that, it's traveling time, isn't it? People going all over the place and it is good to get away. We don't begrudge anybody who goes. We just hope they come back safely. Amen. Well, this morning we're going to continue talking about the fruit of the Spirit. Um, those of you who were with us the last couple of weeks will remember the uh, slide, perhaps, that we used to illustrate the fruit of the Spirit and how that love is the basis of it all. Really, love is so uh, foundational to understanding the fruit of the Spirit, that's why... Uh, so far, we've had three services, two Sunday services and one Bible study that focused on love. And what we have tried to um, gain an understanding of, what took me two sermons and a Bible study, they just did in five minutes. <laughs> it's not about hugging and kissing. It's not about an emotion. It's about a decision you make to do things a certain way. And in a marriage, we we talked about that. If it's if it's as easy as falling in love, it's not going to be very lasting, because the same people who fall into love may fall out of love when things don't go exactly right. So there's more to it than that. There's a commitment. There is a um, a pledge. There is a promise. There is um, um, a, a way that we make a decision to stay true to certain things and behaviors to demonstrate the love that we have. And that's a biblical thing. 
We don't respond always according to our emotions. Because, you've heard me say this so many times, most of you could quote it with me. Martin Luther said, feelings come and feelings go and feelings are deceiving. My warrant is the word of God. Nothing else is worth believing. And he hit the bullseye when he made that quote. We can trust the word of God. Amen. Amen. So as we are studying the word, um, it, it came to me this week how our perspective on the word sometimes changes. How many have ever had this happen in your life? You had a particular understanding or you thought you understood. There's a particular way you saw something. But then after a while, you you understood that the Bible taught it a little bit differently. And you now understand it more clearly than you did before. Has that ever happened to anybody? Here's, I think, the reason for that. Most all of us have had a time in our lives where we had a pair of shades on, right? Now, if you think about it, when you put shades on, it um, it changes your perspective on things. Things look a little different when you're looking through shades, right? If they didn't, we wouldn't put them on, by the way. But it causes, I've seen shades that were dark like mine. I've seen shades that were amber colored, that were blue covered, colored, that uh, all different kinds. So you can put on your rose colored glasses if you want to, but it's going to change your perspective. Amen? It's going to change how you view things. Now, here's what I think. I think all of us, without even knowing it, and it really couldn't be helped, it's, it, it's just the way it is, all of us view the Bible or view biblical subjects through our own set of glasses, our own understanding, what we have come to realize. For instance, when we talk about the fruit of the Spirit is love, as we saw portrayed this morning, uh, many people have um, the feeling that love is like the hugging and the kissing. It's an emotion. It's something that's that that we're just supposed to be slobbering over everybody and, you know, bending over backwards to make them smile and just loving them in, in that way. And that's not what love is. Sometimes, as the Bible says, speak the truth in love. Sometimes love means you do things that the other person might not particularly have an appreciation for. Am I right? Love makes, love makes a parent discipline their children when the children can't understand it, but the parents know it's the right thing to do. How many of you had a whooping when you were growing up? I had a few. Of course, I'm not smart in everything. I'm like Callie Mae. Well, no, I'm the opposite from Callie Mae. I'm not very good at math at all. I, I just, I don't compute with algebra and things like that. So it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But there's some things I'm smart enough to do, and that was after I got a whipping two or three times, I got the message. I was a little dumber than the cat. You know, cat jumps on a hot stove, he'll never jump on it again. Well, it'll take me two or three times maybe, but then I finally got it. So I didn't get a whole lot of whippings because I understood that when you got one, there's a way to avoid it if you do things right. But we look through our rose-colored glasses. We, we see things a certain way because that's what we were taught. That's how we grew up understanding something. So when we look at the fruit of the Spirit, I think probably we've, we've, um, we've looked at that a certain way and we think it's just kind of a cute little way of illustrating the Scripture that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace. And these are the things we're supposed to have in our lives. But watch this. But we've never taken the time, I don't believe... To take off our glasses 
and to look at the word without any, any shade on it whatsoever, any slant on it, and then began to interpret and understand what that's actually saying. And that's why we spent three weeks so far on love because our, our definition, our understanding, our perception of love is so, I think, deficient. So erroneous because we, we have the idea that love is this emotion that we have. A lot of times love doesn't have anything to do with emotion. You have to love even when the mushy, goosebumpy feeling is not there. Because you've made the decision to love. You've made a commitment to your husband. You've made a commitment to your wife. And when they say is, you might be so aggravated that you could spit nails. But you still got to love them in the moment. Amen. Eddie's with me today. (laughs) That's the way it is. Really. Love is, love is not this feeling. Love is a commitment and a decision that we make. And when we understand the fruit of the Spirit in that sense, that there's more to it than just a list of nice words that we're supposed to be. But these are things that the Bible teaches that the Spirit of God produces in us if we'll walk with Jesus. And allow the Holy Spirit to work in us. The Spirit of God will produce these things in us. Amen? It's, it's a little deeper than just, you know, taking a casual glance at it and saying, oh, that's cute. Love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, kindness, faith, meekness, temperance. Oh, that's neat. That's a good way to explain it. But we got to go a whole lot deeper into the fruit of the Spirit to really understand what God wants in us, what God will enable us to do if we'll allow Him to, and what He wants to create in us. God wants to create in us the capacity to love like the Bible teaches. So much so where the Bible says, love your neighbors, husbands love your wives, love one another. And the Bible even says, love your enemies. Now, I'm going to tell you, you got to have help to do that. That's got to be God to do that. So the Spirit of God works in us. Producing in a spiritual fruit that goes beyond some kind of silly little temporary emotional feeling, but gives us the, the spiritual discipline that when things don't go right at work, when things don't go right at home, when things don't go right in the parking lot, wherever you may be, you can operate in love because you've made a commitment to be like Christ and do things a certain way. Now that's love. We've talked about that already. And underneath the umbrella of love, all these other things will issue forth. And today we come to the one that I've got highlighted in red there, uh, joy. This will be the second one on the list. Love, joy, and the next one next Sunday is what? Peace. Peace. Exactly right. So today we're talking about joy. Um, The fruit of the Spirit, this is coming from my meditation, you might say. The fruit of the Spirit is at the same time natural and supernatural. Now let me explain what I mean by that. It is natural. It is right. It is natural for a Christian, a child of God, to have the fruit of the Spirit. It is. Now it's not, listen, it's not natural for a sinner to act like Christ, is it? 
Mm-mm, that would be unnatural. Is it natural for a born again believer in Jesus Christ? Is it natural for him to, or her to have the fruit of the spirit? Yeah. It's the right thing. It's according to the course of nature. If you're a child of God, he's your heavenly father. We're supposed to bear the resemblance of the Lord, right? So it's natural for us to have the fruit of the spirit. But at the same time that it's natural for us to do that, it requires the supernatural working of God in our lives to accomplish that. That's why the Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is these things. So we need the Spirit of God working in us and through us to to transform us from that person who acts like a sinner and looks like a sinner and talks like a sinner and walks like a sinner. We're forgiven. We're born again. The Spirit of God is at work in us. So then we begin to respond with love and we begin to exemplify joy, not because... Um, necessarily that it's the easy thing to do, but it's the natural thing since we're a Christian to behave that way. And it can be accomplished through the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That's what he wants to produce. In other words, we're supposed to be conformed to the image of the son of God. We're supposed to be like Jesus. Uh, you know what? Christians are going to have to quit making excuses for not acting like Christians. I knew that was going to go over like a lead balloon. Christians are going to have to quit making excuses for not acting like Christians. What do you mean not acting like Christians? For not having love, for not having joy, for not having peace, for not being long-suffering, but being impatient with people, for not being kind, not being good, not being faithful. Uh Uh-oh, we'll wait till we get to that one. Not being gentle and not exercising self-control. The Spirit of the Lord wants to work in us to produce those things, but we have got to understand that these are things that the Bible says God wants to produce in us. This is God's will that these things be in our lives. It's natural if we're children of God that they should be there. And God will accomplish that in us through the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. Now, it can also be stated that for a Christian to be absent this fruit is unnatural. If a Christian doesn't love... If a Christian doesn't have any joy, if a Christian doesn't have any peace, if a Christian is not long-suffering, then then that's unnatural, isn't it? I know this sounds ridiculous, but you know, it's unnatural for a Christian to bark like a dog. It's unnatural for a Christian to cluck like a chicken. It's unnatural for a Christian not to love. It's unnatural for a Christian not to have joy. It's unnatural for a Christian not to have peace. See, what I'm trying to get us to do is to take off of glasses we've worn all our lives and just read through that scripture like it means nothing because it's not that it means nothing. There is dynamite in this passage of scripture. The fruit of the Spirit, it is dynamite. It is packed full of life-changing, life-transforming teaching there. And that's what we're going to try to get a hold of through this series. So today we're talking about joy. Oh, I need to go on. In fact, a Christian, I mean, in fact, the Christian who is absent this fruit, the problem lies with that person, not with any lack on the part of the Holy Spirit. Let me read that again. You can't blame this on God. If you got hate in your heart, amen. 
No joy in your life. There's a lot of Christians with no joy. A lot of them. But you can't blame God for that. It's not God's fault. The lack lies within us, not within him. Because the Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is... And it gives us these lists, and these are the things that are supposed to be exemplified and manifested in our lives as Christians. So today, we come to joy. I believe we have dumbed down Christianity today to the point that Peter, James, and John wouldn't even recognize it should they be permitted to visit the church in America today. If Peter, James, and John, New Testament apostles were to come into most of the churches throughout America today, they'd walk in and say, what in the world? What is this? Because so much behavior, so many of our habits, so much of our lifestyle, so many of the things that are permitted and taught in many churches that are absolutely contrary to the Word of God, I think we have dumbed down Christianity to the fact we don't even, we, listen, I don't think we even understand that when we read the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. When we read that list, we don't even realize that the Bible is telling us that that is a requirement in our lives because if we are born again Christians, the Bible says that we're indwelt by the spirit. And if the spirit is there and doing what he wants to do in good soil, these things are going to be Fruitful in our lives. They're going to be manifest. They're going to grow in us. Because the Lord wants us to have these qualities in our life. And I think we go through life. We have people who are so cantankerous. You never know when to speak to them and when not to. Some of you nod your head. And somebody says, well, that's just how he is. Or that's just how she is. Well, she needs to change. And get the fruit of the Spirit. Amen. The whole point is we need to change and quit making excuses for ourselves. So that's why I say we have dumbed down Christianity today to the point that Peter, James, and John wouldn't even recognize it should they be permitted to visit a church in America today. The lack of spiritual fruit confirms this. This is an important series. I declare it is. Need to take our glasses off. Quit looking at it the way we've always seen it and really examine closely what this means. Just to give you this illustration how important this is. There are many churches. First church I pastored, for instance, this has been over 35 years ago in another state. Because of what I'm getting ready to tell you, I won't even go into that where it was. But in in another state, uh, and I pastored this church, and six miles down the road, there was one of our sister churches. And it had the reputation of being the most hard to get along with group of people who couldn't even get along with each other. And they're always fussing and carrying on. And it was a family church and basically they're all brothers and sisters. Genetically. <laughs> but, and, and they were, they were brothers and sisters in the Lord too, at least. And they were fighting and fussing and there was always uh, two or three who were away because they couldn't get along with the other. The churches had that reputation. 
Well, that's not the only church got that reputation. A lot of churches have that reputation of fighting and not being able to get along with one another. Yada, 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 on and on and on it goes. That's not a good reputation for a church to have, is it? And whereas we're supposed to be marked and recognized by, by love. If I can ride down the road and be maybe 50 yards away, I started to say 100, maybe 50 yards away. And if I see an apple tree in the summer, I know it's an apple tree. Why? Because I see the apples. And the point is, the fruit of the Spirit is supposed to demonstrate to the people around us that we are Christians because the Holy Spirit is producing this fruit in us that can be seen. So yes, we are loving, even at work and in the parking lot at Walmart when somebody cuts us off. And we are uh, people who are filled with joy. No matter what our circumstances, as we'll get to in just a moment. Uh, we are people who have peace, and that is possible, as we'll see next Sunday. So we have to take this seriously. It, it's, it's extremely important, I think, and it's been overlooked far too long. So concerning love, the Bible says that in the last days, the love of many would wax cold. In other words, the days that we are seeing today where people cannot get along with each other and people people so easily fragment and go all over the place, the reason is because the love of many is waxing cold. I tell um, people in premarital counseling quite often, they have to understand this. You're not going to always feel like it's your honeymoon. Sometimes you're going to disagree. Sometimes you might disagree strongly. Sometimes things might not be going so well, but you know what? You have to have a made up mind because of love and the commitment that I made. I'm going to, listen, if you're talking about churches, if you're talking about marriages, if you're talking about many things in life, if you're looking for the perfect one, you might as well quit looking. Pastors change churches because they're aggravated at their churches. And then they leave that church and then they go to another church and they find out the same thing they had in this church they left, they find in the one they went to. And they spend a whole career every two years going to another church looking for that perfect church. There is no perfect church. And if there was, when you got there, you'd mess it up. Because all of us have our flaws. Amen. So what we have to do is allow the fruit of the spirit to work in our lives so that we listen. We talk about perfection. Perfect. The Bible talks about being perfect, but but it doesn't mean perfect in the sense that we use the word perfect. The word perfect in the Bible means complete. The Lord wants us to grow up and be complete and be mature. But I don't think. I will ever get to the point in this life that you will look at me and think I am the perfect pastor. And I don't ever think that I will get a chance to look at you and ever think that you were the perfect Christian or the perfect husband or the perfect wife. Because we all have idiosyncrasies and flaws and family traits and characteristics. That has nothing to do with perfection. It has to do with whether we can walk according to the way that Jesus teaches us to walk and love one another in spite spite of all those differences. Amen. So it's well, I sure will be glad when he gets perfect. Well, in your eyes, he probably never will be perfect. 
That's why we need love and joy and peace and all these other things. To love imperfect people. We talked in our Bible study on Wednesday night. God is the absolute supreme example of all of this. Because the Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Well, he could have pouted and pointed fingers and accused us. They don't deserve it. But he didn't do that. He loved us enough to save us anyway and to bring us into his family. Thank God for that. And he wants to see the same thing for us. Well, we hadn't even got to joy that. We'd better get moving. Today, the fruit of the Spirit is joy. I would like to say that joy is the will of God for you. Now, you're going to notice over the next few moments as I hasten through these that what you see in red is important. It's kind of the, the topic that I'm dealing with for just a few seconds. Did you know that joy is the will of God for you? We read that in Galatians 2, 20, or 5, 22, 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. This is what the fruit... This is the spirit. This is the fruit that the spirit of God wants to produce in us. It is the will of God for you. I said a few moments ago, so many Christians today don't have joy and they don't. What we need to understand is that joy is the will of God for you. Amen. God wants you to have joy. Now, we'll get further down this track in a few moments and understand that joy is not tied to our circumstances because you could be in deplorable circumstances and still have joy. But the, the Lord wants us to have joy. And He wants our joy to be full. Nehemiah 8 verses, verse 10 talks about the need for joy. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. So if you want to be strong in the Lord, you're going to have to have joy. If you don't have joy, you're going to be weak in the things of God. The Bible says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. You say, you can't be strong in the Lord without joy. Amen. Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. I'm, I'm not, I'm not asking you to Believe that because I said it. it. It comes from the Word of God. The joy of the Lord is your strength. What does joy look like? We'll hasten through these very quickly. The, this first example I'm using here is when David went out, picked up five stones, took a sling, first shot, he hit the bullseye, Goliath between the eyes, he killed the giant. How many have heard that story from the Bible? David kills Goliath. Well, after he kills Goliath, you got to understand Goliath has been, been a thorn in Israel's side for a good long while. He has mocked them. He's made fun of them. He has uh, ridiculed them. He stood there and threatened them and challenged them. And they all, like a bunch of scared rabbits, have just stood back and took it and listened to all that and put up with that. Finally, David comes on the scene. He's had enough of that. He sees it once or twice. He says, this should not be happening to the army of Israel. So this man steps up, he faces the giant, he kills Goliath, and the Bible says after he did that, verse 6, now it happened as they were coming home. When David was returning from the slaughter of the Philistine, 
that the women had come out of all the cities of Israel, singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines, with joy, and with musical instruments. Now, I want you to just visualize that scene if you can. They have been under siege. They have been ridiculed. They have been made fun of. They have been stomped on and scattered on. And, and they, it's just, they've been beat down. And then all of a sudden, David comes along and, and kills this giant. And they are celebrating. And there is, as we see there, there is singing and there is dancing after Goliath falls and David comes home. And they got the tambourines and they're, they're just joyously, as a matter of fact, remember, this is, this is the, the same kind of spirit. We'll read about it again in a moment. Remember when David was so happy about recovering the ark? That he began to dance before the Lord with all his might, and it embarrassed his wife. We forget to understand, we don't understand sometimes that his wife was Saul's daughter, but she was, she was ticked off that he was unashamedly, unreservedly dancing and praising the Lord. Pastor Ron, what would you do if somebody in this church started dancing and praising the Lord? I would say, thank you, Jesus. Somebody finally came alive. There's nothing wrong with dancing and praising the Lord. There's nothing wrong with coming alive and lifting your hands and praising God. As a matter of fact, when your heart is full and when you've got joy in your life and when the Lord has touched you and blessed you and you begin to worship him, sometimes just the hands got to go up. Sometimes you got to open your mouth and praise the Lord. Sometimes you got to even get out from behind that seat and maybe walk around a little bit and give the Lord praise. And that would be okay in this church. That's what joy looks like. The Bible says, the Bible says, this is what joy looks like now. They were singing and dancing with joy and with musical instruments. Well, First Chronicles 15, verses 15 and 16, the Bible says this is when, incidentally, the ark was recovered. And David had built a tent, and they're bringing the ark into the tent. This is where he danced before the Lord. And the Bible says, Then David spoke to the leaders of the Levites to appoint their brethren to be singers accompanied by instruments of music. Listen to this. Instruments of music, stringed instruments, harps and cymbals, by raising the voice with resounding joy. We ought to sing like we mean it. We ought to have joy. We ought to give the Lord glory. We ought to praise Him like we're unashamed because we are so excited for what the Lord has done for us. What does joy look like? Ezra, verse chapter 6, verse 16. This is when the temple's been destroyed. They've been in captivity. Now they're moving back into Jerusalem. The temple's been rebuilt. And the Bible says, Then the children of Israel, the priests and the Levites and the rest of the descendants of the captivity, they celebrated the dedication of this house of God with joy. I'll submit to you, we ought to come to church every Sunday morning and celebrate God with a joyful noise. Amen? We Listen, this... Be all right if I share a pet peeve. I've seen this now for over 35 years as a pastor. I've heard people complain sometimes about the worship in the church. 
We just don't see people raise their hands. We just don't see people worshiping anymore. And I have said it. Well, then why don't you sit on the front row and show us how to do it? That'd be okay. Quit playing, quit complaining about nobody worships the Lord and you worship the Lord and set an example and maybe somebody else will follow. Amen. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Be joyful in the Lord. This is the fruit of the Spirit. Now, I'm, what I'm going to ask you to do now is I'm going to ask you to practice. Would you practice with me? Let's stand up. We're going to sing a song. Don't get nervous. I'm not going to make you do something stupid. We're just going to practice. Now, we've heard what we ought to do, and that is with our voice and with our whole heart, worship the Lord. Let's do it now. song says, I'm trading my sickness. I'm trading my pain. 
I'm laying them down for the joy of the Lord. Now, I've heard my dad say this through the years, and I've heard other pastors say it, and I've said it myself. So I'm not going to apologize for saying this, and that is there are some people who don't want to get rid of their sickness, and they don't want to get rid of their pain because if they didn't, they wouldn't have anything to talk about. They enjoy it too much. They like the pity. They like the attention. But I'm going to tell you, we can get to the place where we push all that off the plate and let it fill up with joy. And we can have we can have joy in spite of the things that are going wrong in our lives. Amen? Sure we can. We don't have to dwell on those things. The Bible teaches us, Psalm 16, verse 11, the blessedness of joy. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures evermore. Wow, this just popped into my mind. I could see it when I was reading it. I saw a chicken running across the yard. I did. Looking down reading it, I saw a chicken running across the yard in my vision. You know what that reminds me of? What that says to me? I've told you this before. When I was growing up, I'd hear Dad say it all the time. Well, not all the time, but fairly frequently. He'd say, you can't scratch around with the chickens all week and then fly like an eagle on Sunday. Amen? So what we're saying is, the scripture says, you will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. I'm not going to look at anybody. I'm just going to look down. Are you spending time with Jesus during the week? Are you spending any time in his presence during the week? If so, the Bible says, in your presence is fullness of joy. And then it says, at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. You know what I think that means? If you're in the presence of the Lord, and He's showing you the path of life, and you're in the presence of the Lord, and if you'll visualize that, and you see, at His right hand are pleasures forevermore, that means it's not very far away for Him to be able to pick that up. And just bless your life with it. It's not like, I've said that before, we don't serve a 10 million mile away God. We serve a right here, right now God. So if we develop the, the discipline of living in the presence of God every day of our lives, in His presence there's fullness of joy. At His right hand are pleasures evermore. And He's got good things for you and for me if we'll live in His presence. Yes. But you can't live scratching around in the junk all week with the chickens and expect to fly like an eagle on Sunday. Somebody tell me amen. Amen. The promise of joy. Psalm 30 verse 5. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. You take it to the bank. Amen. Yeah, you're going to have some hard times. You're going to have some difficult times and things to face in life. But just hold on. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Can I say something about joy, though, that I've noticed before? Uh, I have been in funeral services before where a couple may have been married 50, 60 years. And maybe the this particular situation I'm thinking about now where this man had died. They had been married like 60 years, and he was the minister of the gospel, and he had died. And we were sitting in the church now. For his funeral. And this little lady's like sitting on the front row. And the choir's up front singing. At the funeral. And she just gets happy. Not because her husband's dead. Let's don't be silly. She gets happy because. There's joy in her life. 
Her husband's laying up there in a casket in front of her. But she's so filled with joy, she stands and lifts her hands and begins out loud just praising and glorifying God and thanking Him for His favor and His goodness in her life. I'm going to tell you, that's joy. That's why I say joy is not contingent upon your circumstances. You can have joy in spite of anything that's going on in your life. If you're in his presence and living daily with him, oh, he'll be there in a real unbelievable way. So close, so dear. The soil of joy. You probably never heard of that phrase before. I've never heard of it before. I'm surprised at some of the things I write down. The soil of joy. You see, stuff grows out of soil, right? Six weeks or so ago, sometime, Joy and I were in Florida, and on the way back, we stopped at one of the fruit stands. And we bought a couple little orange trees. They weren't but about this tall. Little orange trees in pots. Right now, they're sitting on the front porch. And yesterday, I heard, I, I had Joy come out right before it got dark. And I said, I want to show you something. And that little orange tree, about that tall, has little oranges on it about the size of a BB all over it as this orange tree is growing. See, good stuff grows out of good soil, right? And so the Bible says, therefore, with joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. Now, if you want love and joy and peace and all these other things we're going to talk about, I'm going to tell you, it's going to come from salvation. It's going to come from a relationship with the Lord. You can't live 50 miles away from the Lord, spiritually speaking, and expect to have his fruit filling us and, and, and ministering to us and being sane in our lives. You, you know what? You got to get off the fence. Amen. You, you can't stay on the fence and dilly dallying in the world and doing this and doing that and expect to have the real spirit and the power of God operative in your life. No, you have to get off the fence and make up your mind. You're for the Lord. You're on the Lord's side. You want to live for Him. So that's the soil in which this spiritual fruit grows. You're regenerated. The Holy Spirit lives within you. And God is at work in your life producing some wonderful things. Psalm 32 verse 11. Again, the soil of joy. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice. Who's who's supposed to rejoice? You righteous. It's the righteous people among whom the Spirit of the Lord wants to produce this fruit. And shout for joy, you upright in heart. You see, those who are righteous and upright in heart, who are living for the Lord and committed to Him, that's where joy grows. That's where joy grows. That's where love grows. That's where peace grows. This is the soil in which the fruit of the Spirit grows. Plentiful joy. John 15, verse 11. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be what? Full. How many know there's a difference between E and F on your gas tank? Right? A big difference, right? E and F come side by side in the alphabet, but I'm going to tell you on the gas tank, they're miles apart, aren't they? E and F. Full and empty. Well, the Bible says, actually, these are the words of Jesus. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your, actually John wrote this, and that your joy may be full. The Lord wants us full of joy. 
full of joy. Not a Brill Cream experience, but a Niagara Falls experience. Overflowing, full of joy. That's the way the Lord wants us. Would listen, I answer this question honestly. Wouldn't you love to attend church on Sunday morning if the house was filled with people who were filled with joy? You could not put enough seats in this building to seat the people who would come to a church where the people were joyful and they showed it. Amen. It would be like a magnet. The spirit, if there was love and joy and peace there, people going to want to be there. Oh man, this is important stuff. Joy in trials. Now we're getting down to the nitty gritty and we're also down to the very end. First Peter one verse eight. Whom having not seen, you love. Is that true for any of you with regard to Jesus? Whom having not seen, you love. I've never seen Jesus, but I love him. This is Peter writing now. Peter says, whom having not seen, you love. Talking to the Christians. Though now you do not see him. I still don't see him today, do you? I don't. Though now you do not see him, yet believing. So although I have never seen him, and although I don't see him today, the Bible says, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. Now, if you understand the context under which that was written, this was a time when the Roman emperors were persecuting the church. They had brothers and sisters in the Lord who were dropping like flies being killed all around. Persecution was fierce. Christians were dying. And Peter writes to this group of people and talks about the trial of your faith. Being more precious than gold that perishes. They were experiencing persecution and troubles. And he says to them, though you have not seen Jesus... And though now you do not see him, yet believing. And here's the part I want you to see. During persecution, he says, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. I'm going to tell you that bad circumstances in your life do not eliminate the joy in your life. The joy is a constant. The joy is always there. Now, sometimes it might not be as exuberant outwardly as it is at other times. But the joy is there. Because you know who you belong to. And you know what God is about in your heart, in your life. And how he's changing you. Well, there's an old song we used to sing when I was a little boy. We're getting ready to sing it. Praise team didn't even know it. You know what occurred to me a while ago? When I start saying there's a song I used to sing when I was a little boy, that's a long time ago. I, did, I used to say that, and it wasn't very long. Now it's a long time ago. Is it Tony and, and Leslie? Well, Ronnie knew it, and I think that's the only guy who knew it on the stage when we started learning this song this morning. Would you stand with me as we sing this old song? It's about joy. I, I have found
my heart, joy in my soul. I've got to tell somebody I want the world to know. That's fruit. Fruit is to be seen. Fruit is visible so that others can see it. You don't try to hide fruit. We don't try to hide love, joy, and peace. We want it just to be so evident. Not a put on, but just genuine work of the Spirit of God in our midst. I hope, I pray, that you will take these thoughts today about joy in the life of a Christian and and how it's the will of God. God wants to do that for you, for me, for all of us. Joy needs to be in the life of a Christian, just like love does. Next week we'll talk about peace. It can be, and it will be, if we make ourselves available to the Lord for Him to work in us and produce these things, and we'll be more like Him. Before before Brother Chris comes, I want us to sing this. Same key, brother. And F. To be like Jesus. To be like This week and our goal should be to show that joy, that joy that folks around us can see it and that their lives can be changed as a result. Uh, Sister Lorraine has asked for prayer for her healing. So if you want to come forward, that's OK, Pastor. What's that? Lorraine? I guess. Yeah. Lorraine's the daughter. Oh, I'm sorry. I am so sorry. <laughs> I want to anoint you in, in, in her behalf today.
If you bow your heads, we'll say our dismissal prayer today. Father, we thank you for this time together, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you brought us together to worship your name. Lord, that you brought us together to sing praises unto you. And I, Father, I pray as we go our separate ways today, Lord, that you would let us show that joy, dear Lord, to each and every person that we come encountered with. Father, that their lives might be changed, dear Lord, by our actions and our fruits. Lord, we give you praise and we pray that you would keep us safe until you bring us back, dear Lord, our next appointed hour. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you.